Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com.
Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are missing a few this morning, but we have some more that have come in. We're glad that all of you are here today and uh, thankful that we have guests with us today. And uh, some we have known a long time. Some we haven't known until just a few minutes ago. Thank you for being here this morning. And uh, Bob Miller, would you come and lead us in our opening prayer, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again that we can come to your house, worship you, study your word. Bless those that are with us, those that are not here today. Open our hearts and minds to hear the message that you have for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I asked Bob this morning who this beautiful young lady is that they've got with her. I didn't get an answer. See if you can. All right. Uh, Frank, come and let us know about the prayer concerns, the updates that we've got today. Morning, everyone. As you notice, Summer's not here this morning. She has uh, some kind of a rash problem on her, both of her arms. It could be a medication thing. She doesn't know, but she definitely needs her prayers on that, and hopefully that'll be resolved before too long. Uh, their great-great-granddaughter, the one that had the tonsil, tonsils out a couple weeks ago, she's having some more issues. Now they say she has COVID. She's, what, four? Four years old. And she has a, she has a hard time eating, even though her set, everybody said her throat is fine. It might be a psychological thing. I don't know, but she's afraid to eat ice cream, and she's lost so far four pounds. And she's got a small frame anyway, so definitely need, her, need your prayers on that. And I have a friend in, uh, in Missouri I've known for about 40 years. And she's an elder woman, her name's Brenda. I put her on the prayer list. I was talking to her, and she's having trouble with her eyes, and she's having trouble with her feet and her legs, and she's having trouble, period. So uh, I asked her if she went on the prayer list, and that'd be great. So we, we went ahead and done that. And I'll have a, an updated prayer list for everybody that everybody's on her email make sure we have your email and I'll, I'll send that to you today along with the podcast and speaking of the podcast we have uh, 19 countries now that are listening in 19 countries uh, our latest our latest country is uh, a small country in Africa so uh, yeah they're keep they keep on coming so uh, you know the words being out there thank you we've got a new family in our church Rose and uh, um, Lewis got married. I don't know why Lewis wouldn't come tonight. Bye. I'll introduce them again next week since Lewis is not able to be here. Uh, he has some problems, health problems. So uh, uh, remember Lewis in your prayers as well. So anyway, uh, let Lewis know we really missed him this morning, okay? Marlene is better. She's able to be here today. <laughs> We've been missing her. All right, uh, any, any others that uh, we don't have mentioned this morning that you need to tell us about? If not, join with us as we continue our songs and uh, Light of the World. Let's stand together as we sing this song. Open my eyes, let me see 
beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're altogether lovely Altogether worthy Altogether wonderful to me King of all days Oh so highly exalted Glorious in heaven above Humbly you came to the earth you created All for love's sake became poor Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely All together worthy All together wonderful to me You may be seated. Ed, I guess I could have asked you to come up here and lead our singing this morning. <laughs> Come on. He used to lead our singing when we uh, were first getting started. And uh, uh, this uh, podium is handiwork 
of his hand. He did a good job, didn't he? And uh, we're very thankful for him and Debbie and, and uh, their contributions to our church. And glad that they're able to be with us today and worship with us. They're usually in Dolega. And uh, because of some other circumstances, they're able to be with us today. So, all right. Um, the power of the resurrection is what we're looking at today. I think that I've uh, told you several times uh, that I decided on a Wednesday night as I was giving me uh, my Wednesday night podcast that uh, we needed more messages on the resurrection. I preach on the resurrection every year, don't I? At Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. And I thought, you know, that's just not enough for such an important subject. And so I started developing uh, a series of messages then on the power of the resurrection. By the way, speaking of a series of messages, uh, I'm looking now at a series on light contrast to darkness. I don't know whether you noticed this morning. You probably didn't. It stuck out to me because I've been working on this series of messages. How many times light and darkness are mentioned in the songs that we sing? Both of these first two songs this morning talked about light and darkness and the contrast between them. Well, anyway, that's for a future time. But I've still got a few more messages now on the resurrection. And uh, hopefully it's uh, something that is interesting to you and, and uh, uh, uplifting to you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 is where we're going to be reading in just a moment as we continue our thoughts on the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Reading from the Hallman Christian Standard Bible. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I'm also... I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death. Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come before your throne again this morning, we thank you that we have the privilege of opening your word and knowing a little more about the resurrection, how important it is, and how that we need to look at these things like the Apostle Paul did, how that they might support us, and how that they might lead us. And I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's here and this congregation this morning and if there are those that are here that need to make decisions 
Maybe some that don't know you as their personal Savior. Or others that are not following you the way they ought to. And Father, we pray that today things would change in their lives. And they would turn to you and they would allow you to be their Savior. They would allow you to be their comforter, their help in all that they face in life. And again, Father, we thank you for your blessings upon us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, you know, most of the time I take my message and, and we look at the verses of Scripture from top to bottom, right? I, I usually start with the very first verse that I read and I talk a little bit about it and then go on through the rest of the passage and, and uh, that's how I build my message. Well, that's not what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to start with the very last verse. We find here in verse 11 that it's most interesting. That's one way of putting it, isn't it? What is the Apostle Paul talking about? I want to look at that for just a moment. After all, the resurrection has been the subject that he's been talking about from verse 7 through verse 10. And then the things that he says in verse 11. It's been somewhat confusing to some people as they've read this. Is he speaking about some future event that he hopes that he's going to be able to attain to and be good enough for? I don't think that's what he's saying. Some are surmising that there is a special resurrection, something different than what we've studied about before and what we're going to study about some more, that if you're a super Christian, if you've just been very special in your Christian life, you're going to attain to that resurrection. But here's the problem. Nowhere else in the Bible do we find anything written about something like that. So, what is it that he's talking about? We find in the Scriptures that there is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then there's two other resurrections that he talks about. One is the resurrection of the righteous, the individuals that know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And this resurrection takes place when Jesus comes again for His people. And then there's going to be another resurrection. And this is the resurrection of the unbelievers. It's separated by approximately 1,000 years. And the unbelievers are going to be resurrected after Jesus has put everything in order on this earth. And they're going to be raised to a judgment that we call the great white throne. We talked a little bit about that last week. Many verses of Scripture speak about that. 1 Corinthians 15, Daniel 12, John 5, Revelation 20. We've gone because this is something that is prominent in the Scriptures as well as the resurrection of the believers is prominent in the Scriptures as well. And we're looking forward to the resurrection of the righteous. The resurrection that Christ is going to have for 
those that know Him as their personal Savior, all of us here this morning have loved ones who have departed this life and are awaiting that resurrection. We who are alive and remain, notice I said we who are alive and remain, are going to be caught up with them in the air, and so will we ever be with the Lord, the Bible says. Now I can't guarantee you, Dr. Fred, that all of us are going to be alive there in this room here this morning when Jesus returns, but I'm going to say it's very likely. I really believe it's very likely. I don't think it's going to be very long until the Lord comes again. All we need to do, Steve, and Steve, <laughs> hey, we got more Steves this morning, is to look at the world situation and know that time can't last too much longer. Do you agree with me? Amen? I don't think that it can. But then following the resurrection of believers... Our works are going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Far different than the judgment I mentioned a moment ago. That's the great white throne. And there's going to be varying degrees of rewards that are going to be given to those that are before that judgment. To us that uh, are standing there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that. If you'd like to mark that in your Bible and go back and look at it sometime. My Wednesday messages have been talking about some of this. If you remember last Wednesday night. But nowhere does the Bible say that there is some special, super, different resurrection for individuals who have a multitude of rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. It just doesn't tell us that. So what is the Apostle Paul talking about in verse 11? Let me read this from the Amplified Version of the Scriptures. Listen to verse 11 from that. It says, That if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in my body. Hmm. That puts a whole different light on it, doesn't it? I think that's really what he's talking about. He's talking about the here and now. He's not talking about a resurrection that's future. He's talking about being raised to walk a new kind of life. Isn't that what we say when we baptize an individual? Rose, when you were baptized and I brought you back up out of that water, I said, raised to walk in newness of life. Didn't I? If I didn't, uh, I'm missing the mark of what I want to do when someone is baptized. And that's resurrection, isn't it? Doesn't baptism picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? And it pictures our burial of the old life and our being raised a new kind of life. And I think that's the focus the Apostle Paul is making here. He wants to live the here and now, and that's what he's been talking about in 7 through 11, 7 through 10, rather, in the scriptures that I read just a moment ago. He's talking about how he lives, how he wants to focus his life, how he wants to exemplify 
what Jesus did in his life and how the resurrection from the dead is picturing our being raised to walk that kind of life and do those sorts of things that Jesus did during his life. Now, the Bible says that those without Christ, those that don't know him as their personal Savior, are dead in their sins. The believer has been transformed by the power of the risen Christ, by the power of the resurrection of Christ, so that what is true of Jesus is true of us. Now, we'll talk a little more about that this morning. I'd like to read from the New Literal Translation, Ephesians chapter 2. If you'd like to turn there and, and look at these verses of Scripture with me, I'll begin with verse 4 in Ephesians chapter 2. The New Literal Translation is what I'm reading from. And it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of the grace and kindness toward us as shown in all He does for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved us, uh, saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He prepared for us long ago. I know that's a lengthy reading, but it's so very important, isn't it, for us to understand our standing in Jesus. We're not saved by our works. It's not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy He saved us to give it in a translation that we probably are more familiar with. And it was God that took the initiative in forgiveness. And it was all done by the cross. Him sending His Son into this world that He might die for our sins. So that through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, we could be reconciled to God and eventually reconciled to God in the heaven. When Christ returns, we're going to receive, all of us that know Him, a glorified, resurrected body. I, I don't know 
a lot about that. I can't tell you whether you're going to look just exactly like you look today, Ed. <laughs> but I do think that you're going to look a lot like what you look like today. I think people are going to be able to recognize you. Well, again, you know, I said I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about that, and I'm going by what I think more than what I know from the scriptures about that, but uh, uh, we're going to have a glorified body. That's something I know. <laughs> and I look forward to that glorified body. I do know that that glorified body won't have the pains and aches and, and discomforts that I, I'm experiencing in this body. How about you? Amen. Now, the apostle wanted to experience as much of the blessings that God has for us today in this life. This is again what he's saying in verse 11. So today, I'd like for us to look at four different things the Apostle Paul is saying here about a determination to live. Cart the end. Think about that for just a minute. The Apostle Paul was determining that he was going to live purposefully. He was determining that he was going to live properly. He was determining that he was going to live powerfully. And he was determining that he was going to live passionately. Now we're going to look at each one of these subjects and see what he said about these different aspects of his Christian life, of his living on this earth, the here and now. Notice with me verses 7 and 8 again. He says, But everything that was a gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ. He determined to live purposefully. You see... Learning from Jesus. The Apostle Paul lived his life for the purpose of knowing Christ imminently. Isn't that what he's saying? And he fully accepted the invitation that Jesus had given when he said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. That's the invitation given to his disciples then, given to the Apostle Paul as he understood those things, and given to us today. David Putnam wrote a book called Detox for the Overly religious. Detox for the overly religious. 
But in that book, he said this. Jesus was a rabbi. And as such, one of the primary responsibilities was to interpret the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. For his followers. The Torah is the holiest of scriptures for the Jews. And in, included within it are the Ten Commandments, as well as 613 additional laws about worship, cleanliness, marriage, nutrition, and just about every other aspect of life that the Jews looked at and understood was what God wanted from them. Now, any given rabbi gave his interpretation of the Torah, told how he felt like these things needed to be carried out. And it consisted of dozens of hedges which were additional oral laws or rules designed to protect the law designed to bring the individual in line with what these other things said the rabbi would have had thousands if you will of little laws if you want to call them that or hedges that he taught as he interpreted the Torah. His yoke and every rabbi had a distinctive yoke was to be put on by the disciples that followed him. Now you know what a yoke is, don't you? When I was growing up, we had a cow that wouldn't stay in the pasture. She just wouldn't do it. She'd find a way to get under the fence. She would get her nose under there and she would raise the fence up. And, and maybe she wouldn't do it the very first day. Maybe it took her several days. But she would get her a hole where she could get out under the fence. You know what we did for that cow to keep her in the pasture? We put a yoke on her. That yoke kept her from going through the fence, so to speak. Well, a yoke is, is a burden, isn't it? it it's something that, that we take upon ourselves. And now, God has a yoke for us. He really does. He wants us to yoke up with Him. Jesus, did He not say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me? He did, didn't He? And so... He wants us to yoke up with Him. You see, this was a term that one of these rabbis that taught the Torah would have used. Well, Jesus was a rabbi, wasn't He? And He taught His disciples. Now, He taught them a lot more than the law. But He taught His disciples. And we read the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. It was a great honor to be selected by a rabbi to learn from him. Any Jew 
would have considered it a privilege to have been asked by a rabbi to come and learn from me. Come and listen to my teachings. And usually it was the rich, the influential, the individuals of means that were asked to yoke up with a rabbi and follow him and listen to him because it was the rich that could support him, you see. It was the rich that could afford this rabbi time to teach. Well, did Jesus do that? Did He call the rich and famous to be His disciples? No. It was more of the down and outers, right? As we would say. And these individuals came and they heard a completely different message than what other rabbis were giving. We find that Paul realized what an honor is afforded every Christian to follow Jesus, their rabbi. And see, we can still do that today. Even though Jesus is not on the earth, we still have His teachings, don't we? And we can still learn from Him. We can still understand the lifestyle God is telling us that we need to have as we read the Bible. Following that call, the disciples in the days that Jesus was on earth would share in the life of the rabbi, do the things that he did, eat the things that he ate, go the places that he went. Another rabbi was John the Baptist. And his lifestyle was completely different than any other rabbi. But he had disciples, didn't he? And some of the individuals that were John's disciples became Jesus' disciples. Go back and look. John, Peter, James, Zebedee. Many of the earlier disciples had already been the disciples of John the Baptist. And they had followed him. They had, had listened to him as he taught. Now, growth doesn't take place in the vacuum of the classroom. And that's why the rabbis, or some rabbis anyway, took them out of the classroom. Took them into life. And taught them from life's examples. We see that in many of the things that Jesus taught His disciples and teaches us today. When a rabbi chose someone to be their disciple, a common blessing that was pronounced upon that disciple by others was, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. <laughs> I've never heard that before, have you? May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. Do you understand what that means now? You live like he lived. You do what He does. You understand what He is teaching through the example that He gives you. The Apostle Paul determined that this was also the key to living the blessed life that was made possible by Jesus Christ and His resurrection. 
he had determined that nothing was going to come between him and his rabbi. He was going to stay close to Christ. Wilbur Chapman, in his book, Living Like Jesus, said anything that dims the vision of Christ or takes away my taste for the Bible study or cramps my prayer life or makes Christian work difficult is working for me and I must be as a Christian turn away from it. The things that discourage you, the things that hinder you, the things that keep you from following Christ, from understanding His teaching, from knowing what He wants you to know, we need to turn away from it. We need to go a different direction. And then the Apostle Paul determined to live uh, prosperly. Verse 9. He said... And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. To live prosperously, to live positively, to live for Jesus. He's not speaking of becoming a Christian here, is he? But he's talking about living as a Christian ought to live. We don't become a Christian through doing. Through not doing. We become a Christian simply by believing, by faith. Isn't that right? And then we do because we are saved. We serve Him because we love Him. You see, a lot of people have the idea that we need a bunch of do's and don'ts in order for us to become a Christian. Legalist is a name that's given to these individuals. Notice what Colossians chapter 2 verses 20 through 22 tells us in the New Literal Translation. You have died with Christ and He has set you free from the spiritual power of the world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teaching about things that deteriorate as we use them. They fall apart as we place them in our lives. These do's and don'ts. Instead, we're to seek to live a life as God would have us to live that life. And by seeking to emulate what Jesus did. How He lived. The Apostle Paul knew that the path to living a proper life as a Christian was found in growing in our faith. Knowing the Scriptures, 
following those things that are revealed in the Word of God. And this is, only occurs as a result of us knowing Jesus more, more deeply. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says, The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. That word Christian, meaning Christ-like. Notice the order of things here. The disciples, those who have answered the call to follow close to Jesus and not let anything get in the way of them pursuing Him. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. We're called Christians, literally Christ-like, as I mentioned a moment ago. Answer this question. Would you say that you're more like Christ today than you were a year ago? Let me ask you another question. Would others say that you're more like Christ today than you were a year ago? If that's not in the affirmative, maybe we're not living as close to Christ as we ought to. Maybe we're not learning from Christ as we ought to. And then, thirdly, the Apostle Paul was determining to live powerfully. Verse 10. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. And we'll read the rest of that in just a moment. The Apostle Paul said his goal was to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. See how verse 11 then is a follow-up of that? The resurrection. Knowing Him and His resurrection. Knowing more about what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and what He's going to do in the future. This power can change us. This power can make us a disciple, a follower. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people, reaching other individuals. Jesus promised that if we determine to follow Him, His power, His resurrection power now, will go to work and make us what He's called us to be. As a kid, I remember riding in the car with my parents, going from one place to another, and I wanted to know where we were going. And I wanted to follow every part of that journey. Well, I would look and I would see places go by, and then I would get sleepy, and 
I would usually fall asleep, and when they would get there then, they'd wake me up. And I would see where we were going, but I didn't know how to get there. We're here. And sure enough, there's a path we need to take to get where we need to go. But if we just go to sleep along the way, we're not going to know how to get there. One day we're all going to share in the resurrection, aren't we? That's our destination. <laughs> but you see, the Apostle Paul wanted more from life than just that resurrection. He wanted the resurrection in his life every day. He wanted to live for Christ. He wanted His power to be in Him. And He wanted to live powerfully. And then lastly, the Apostle Paul tells us that he wanted to live passionately. The last part of that 10th verse. He says, And the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death. The passion of Christ. You've heard that term, haven't you? In fact, there was an e even a, a movie that was called The Passion of Christ, wasn't there? Well, Paul is speaking of Christ's suffering. Did you notice that? That's the passion of Christ. When we think of His suffering at Calvary, we're calling to mind His passion. That was what He was called to do. Some of you have gone to Passion Plays. They have one in Eureka Springs, Arkansas that we've attended. Uh, they have uh, another one in, in Tyler, Texas, somewhere in Texas. And anyway, what, does they, what are they talking about? Well, you're going to see the last days of Jesus depicted in these plays. Just like the movie by Mel Gibson, The Passion of Christ. It was His suffering, wasn't it? It was His last days on earth. The passion of Christ. And because He suffered. And why did He suffer? Because of my sins. It was my sins that caused Him the anguish of the cross. And... Jesus wants us to follow Him in the example that He's given. That doesn't mean that we're, we're going to go out here and we're going to try to suffer. But He is telling us, I believe, that if we live for Him, there is going to be trials, temptations, and problems in our lives that He's going to help us overcome. In Matthew 4.19, he said, follow me. Remember I told you this a moment ago. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In order for us to fish for men, you see he was talking to a group of fishermen, wasn't he, for the most part. And they knew how to fish for fish. And he was calling them from their boats. 
And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of people, of men. Elton Trueblood gives this definition of evangelism. He says that evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men, but is instead the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. Some of you may have seen the movie called Dead Poets Society. Robin Williams plays the role of a teacher in a very exclusive Eastern U.S. school. And on the very first day, he takes his class of boys out into the hallway to look at the pictures of the past. And these individuals were now dead graduates. They were no longer living. And he motivated his students and asked them to learn from what they saw with these words. We are food for worms, he told them. Lads, believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room one day will stop breathing, turn cold, and die. Step forward and see these faces from the past. They were just like you are now. They believed that they were destined for great things. Their eyes are full of hope. But you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizer for daffodils. If you listen real close, you will hear them whisper their legacy to you. Lean over. What do you hear? And then Robin Williams, in a very eerie type voice, gives Carpeon. Diem. Carpeon. And that's Latin for seize the day. Seize the day, boys, he said. Make your lives extraordinary. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul is telling us? Be different. Make your lives extraordinary. Telling us here that because he determined to live that way, we should also determine to live that way. And we can. As I said at the beginning of this message, it may be today that I'm speaking to individuals that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We want you to be saved. You see, Jesus' resurrection was for that very purpose. That you might know Him as your personal Savior and you might have part in the resurrection that's coming from Him. Because He lives is our song this morning as we end our message. Stand with me if you will. And as we sing this, listen to the words of this song and follow them in your life.
Thank you for being here. Meet our visitors before you leave. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that he does live. 
And we thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to come and, and pray to you directly, Lord, that nothing stands between you and us. We thank you for the cross, Lord. We thank you for that power of the resurrection. Lord, it is indeed the gospel message because without the resurrection, there is no gospel. There is no good news. So Lord, I pray today that as we leave this place together, that you watch over and protect all of us. Those that are, are not here with us today, Lord, we pray you touch them in an extra special way. But Lord, we pray that throughout the remainder of this week, Lord, that you remind us daily of that power of the resurrection. Ask that you go with us, lead us, protect us, forgive us for our many sins, the many times that we fail you. Help us to be more and more like you every day. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.